Recorded live at the 2023 Destinations International Convention in Dallas, Texas, this is Brand USA Talks Travel. This sold-out convention presents an integrated approach to learning and networking. On this podcast, we're proud to bring you innovators in travel and tourism who offer local insights and global expertise. Now, here's your host, Mark Lapidus. You spent many, many years in cold, cold winters, and you've been in hot, hot Texas now for nearly four years, so you must be quite used to people talking about the weather. Well, especially this week, you know, when we're here in Dallas for Destinations International Annual Convention, the weather was a main source of discussion. And uh, yeah, I'm going to answer your question by saying <laughs> I grew up in a little town called Fort Erie, Ontario, right across from Buffalo, New York. So all of my memories in the youth are those of incredible, incredible snowstorms. You know, as a little kid, and I do recall the snowdrifts being up to my head and, you know, just snow after snow. Then I moved to Chicago. Then I moved to Pittsburgh. So I was just getting a little little bit more south, but still snowy. So coming down to Dallas, if I never have to see another snowflake again, <laughs> as long as I live, I'm good. So I don't miss it. But yes, it's been 102 to 106 degrees all week long here. So when you live in Dallas, when you live in Texas, you know the summers are going to be hot. I lived in West Texas for a while in my youth, so I know, yeah. Okay, so you know. I'm delighted to be joined today by President and CEO of Visit Dallas, Craig Davis. Craig is an industry vet, as you just heard. He was the CEO of Visit Pittsburgh for many, many years and had executive roles in Starwood Hotels and Resorts and Hilton Worldwide. Welcome to Brand USA Talks Travel. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for being the host city for this year's DI convention. What do you think? You got one event left. By the time people hear this event, will have been over. Yeah, you know, it's like anything else. The hardest part is everybody arriving and finding hotel rooms, finding their way. And I have to be honest with you, I was expecting something to happen, and I haven't had that discussion <laughs> with anybody. Didn't want to jinx it, right? I'm probably going to find out about something after the fact, but everybody's coming to me and saying, I had no idea, and this has been a wonderful experience. So right now, I think a lot of people started to take off today, but everybody else, the bulk will depart tomorrow. For all indications, this has been a resounding success. So the theme was reimagine. Did you embrace that in some way? Well, that's Destinations International's idea. Yeah. But gosh, I mean, we're constantly reimagining ourselves in Dallas. This is not the city that existed even five years ago. But that's a thing. Dallas sites keep moving and changing and reinventing. Sometimes to its own poor ends, but more than ever, we are a city that is growing. I mean, as I said in the opening session, statistically, we're going to overtake Chicagoland as a metropolitan area in 2030. I did not know that. Yeah. And that's not just Dallas, but that's a Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex. Well, there's so many changes in demos across the United States. I was shocked at how big San Antonio has gotten. San Antonio is a city. It's much bigger than Dallas is a city. But when you talk about the metroplex, and that's the surrounding territories, we have a net import of, I've heard, and you statistics and statistics, but I've heard we have a net import of 400 people a day coming into this area. Wow, that's incredible. How important are meetings and conventions in Dallas? I imagine very important. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, they are. I mean, this was a railroad city that kind of connected Louisiana with St. Louis. And I mean, this was a southern port, if you will, a land port for the uh, railway. And so Dallas shouldn't really exist. It's in the middle of the north middle part of the state. But if you look at the United States of America, the map, Dallas is almost situated right in the middle of the country. So for us, that's a really wonderful thing. But Meetings are such a part of our livelihood. This is a business city, and so meetings are part of our DNA. 
So I parked in the convention parking lot and then yes. actually downstairs yesterday. And I couldn't okay. find my car because this hall is enormous. You know, I get to say this lovingly. This convention center was first built in 1957. It is a Frankenstein. It has been <laughs> expanded four times after that. So it's five separate buildings. We're getting a brand new convention center starting next year. We can get into that. Oh, good for you. Okay, so tell me about that. How'd you get the funding? Well, I got lucky. You know, when I, I came down to Dallas three and a half years ago to assume the role of president and CEO of Visit Dallas. And to their great credit, they never dangled that and said, hey, you know, we're talking about a new convention center. But you know, then, of course, COVID happened soon after I got here. But a year into COVID, my partner in the city by the name of Rosa Fleming called me and she said, I'm going to make you a very happy person. I said, oh, talk to me. And she said, we're going to get a new convention center. I said, tell me about this. So the convention center has been funded in two separate ways. The first thing was there's a law that exists in Texas called project financing zones. So what it is for Dallas is they draw a circle, circumference of three miles through the very center of the convention center and all the hotel taxes that are remitted or collected for the state Anything incremental, we get to keep and bond again. So the state says there's a baseline. Anything incremental over that baseline, you can keep it and then bond against that money. So this happened in the heart of COVID. So we were at 20% occupancies. And so the state said the 20% can be your baseline. So we had 20% business. That was our baseline. And we have roared back. So we're back to full business and then some. So we're keeping all that excess revenue. So that has been about a $1.5 to $2 billion situation. And then we were able to do a local referendum last November. And our city citizens voted to increase the hotel tax by 2% to fund this project, as well as Fair Park, which is where the Texas State Fair has been for almost 140 years. Part of this collection will fund really, really needed renovations to Fair Park. But between the two, for the convention center, it's almost $4 billion. So it's fully funded, and shovels are going to be in the ground next year. How long will it take? Q3, we go shovels in the ground of 2024 out of the ground completely by Q4 of 2028, so four years. So pretty quickly you're gonna start actually booking it, aren't you? We've actually, we've already booked that convention center that doesn't exist about <laughs> 35 times. Really? Our community sales teams have really done an amazing job of getting commitments, and that's just a testament to how much our customers want to use Dallas because Dallas has such demand in the marketplace, but we never had the building that really actually met those demands, and now we do. So I'm just thrilled about it. People that are paying attention to this podcast may have noticed earlier on that he said he was from Canada, but I haven't heard you say the word process yet. So, Well, you know, okay, <laughs> when I first moved to the United States when I was 24, and I had a really thick Canadian accent, so I started my career at the Drake Hotel in Chicago, Illinois. And I remember I was a young sales guy, and I would be out in the Chicagoland area, and I'd be saying... <laughs> It's Des Plaines, D-E-S-P-L-A-I-N-S. And I would say to people, do you know how to get to Des Plaines? <laughs> they were looking at me. So I thought, you know, Craig, if you want to stop this, then you're going to have to just round it out a little bit. But my wife tells me that I still get the Canadian thing going on. And that's more of an inflection like, oh, look at that, eh? And <laughs> a lot so, of people slip after a beer or two. Yeah. So how has your background affected your view of international marketing? You know, I come from a smaller country. But Canada, it's part of the British system, not necessarily directly, but indirectly. And so Canadians always had a mindfulness of Western Europe. 
just a sensibility. When you go back to Canada, at least when I grew up there, you heard very thick Scottish and Irish accents, even the communities I grew up. And then living in Toronto, which I think is arguably the most diverse city on the planet. Toronto was doing diversity 40 years ago, and that's a city where everyone, by and large, lives together in wonderful harmony, and that city keeps growing and getting better and better. And a lot of that success has been fueled by their very intent to bring all these different cultures together. So I grew up in that kind of environment. So for me, international marketing was just part of the conversation, part of the process, and not the process, but the process. And I, being in the hotel side, I always loved having the international visitors. So given the fact that Dallas has so many direct flights all across the world, that is a big part of what we do and how we do it. Has it been a struggle at all to convince people in Dallas to do international marketing? Oh, no. The fact that DFW is so connected to so many other cities. Now, granted, this is a hub airport. We don't have the most lift in the United States, but I think right now we're number two or number three in terms of total lift. But the international arrivals and departures here, we're trying to get our fair share of having people say, don't get off the plane and go on another plane. Why don't you stay here for a couple of days or start your journey here? So that's really, we don't have any problem getting people to Dallas from other countries. Our challenge is to get them to stay and start their United States journey here. A lot of movies have been made in Texas, and many right here in Dallas. Of course, the famous TV show, too. Talk to me about your approach to the film and TV industry, and what are you working on these days? Well, that, if you would have asked me that question six months ago, Mark, I would have said, eh, it's been a battle. But something happened a little while ago, and it really started, and, you know, the show Yellowstone, the producer, writer, Taylor Sheridan, is from Fort Worth, which Fort Worth is 30 minutes from Dallas, and oftentimes they get confused. But never tell somebody from Fort Worth that you're Dallas. So there's definitely a very good, heartfelt camaraderie, but competition between the two. But Taylor, you know, was able to engage our legislature here and say, I'm exporting a lot of the work that would otherwise be done in Texas to other surrounding states. And those other states have an economy built up for film production that's really well-rooted in years of experience. And Texas has always been part of it, but our niche has been more commercials and not full-length features. So through his work and our statewide associations, the last legislature, now Texas legislature only meets once every two years for five months from January to the end of May. So they get a lot of stuff done in those five months. But we're able to go from a $50 million tax credit to a $200 million tax credit with the thought that we might even go more. So that has been a real shot to our economy here and has changed the conversation. So we are in discussion now. Right now, there's a Hollywood writer strike and actor strike, but hopefully that... It'll pass. Yes. And then we'll be back in the game again. There's a lot of production pent up demand. And we're also going to be hopefully announcing a very big movie production studio project here in Dallas in the next little while. So we're really going in the right direction. I'd like to know what you might have picked up the last few days here at the Destinations International Convention. I'm an industry guy. I've been doing this for a while. I'm very involved in Destinations International. I've been on the committees and boards for the last 20 years, so I'm very committed to it. But I'll tell you the thing that I picked up is that we're heading towards this whole stage of AI. It's a train that is coming and that we can't stop it. We have to embrace it. 
you know, that was something we really weren't talking about six months ago even, not on the tourism level. I know it's always around the corner, but it has seemed part of our sensibility. I saw a statistic that 14% of travelers now are using AI to plan their travel. That is astounding. So fast. And obviously we're still trying to figure it out. Right. And, you know, we're coming back from pandemic and still trying to get our footing in what is the new normal, you know, work from home, all that other stuff. And then this is another layer, which just tells us we're in a dynamic space in the tourism space. I think the challenging part, and I've mentioned this in previous podcasts, so listeners, you'll have to forgive me for mentioning it again, but it's the data source for AI that's important, right? Right. Garbage in, garbage out. That's exactly right. And I think the challenge for the travel industry is that we like to control our information. Nothing wrong with that. It's just that it doesn't happen with artificial intelligence is basically searching all these different sources. And for us as an industry, when we start to do this either individually or collectively, we have to figure that part out. Like, which part of that message are we going to be able to control because maybe we won't be able to be in that space? Or do we create something that actually does have a controlled data set in it that's ours? I think you've hit the nail on the head there. No one cares about the destination truly than the people that live in that destination. And quite frankly, my job in great part is to talk about Dallas in a meaningful way, not in just an artificial way that you look at our restaurants, look at our food. For sure, because everybody can say that, right? Right. We tell the real story. So it would only logically, I think, lead to AI garnering a lot of their information from sources that we control, that we have actually produced. So you can't fight it. You've got to just help to improve it. So you can laugh at me probably in 10 years and say how wrong I was, but I don't believe AI is going to replace what we do because our function is pretty subtle, but it can replace a lot of what we do. And make it better. Yeah. And I'm not afraid of it. I just think we have to embrace it and tell the story of Dallas. And as destination marketers, all of us have to do the same thing. Before we go, I want to talk about the stereotypes of Texas and Dallas. Do you lean into them or do you lean away from them? Depends on what. So very proud to be in Dallas, Texas. Proud Texan, new Texan, three and a half years. Very, very, very proud Dallasite. Got a cowboy hat yet? I do. I do. I look ridiculous <laughs> in it. I got cowboy boots and a hat when I first came down. To talk about stereotypes. Yeah. Right? The cowboy boots I wear in the wintertime. I don't wear the cowboy hat because it just, I look ridiculous. So my wife looks fantastic in hers. So once in a while, she'll put something on. But the thing with Dallas is that you can walk in the streets in Dallas. And if you see a thousand people, you might see one cowboy hat. Probably not, though. So this is a city that hasn't really embraced the cowboy, but it's still part of our culture. We do say y'all. I was at dinner last night with some former colleagues from Pittsburgh, and I said y'all, and she said, what did you just say? I said, you know how easy it is to say? Yuns. They say yuns. But the thing with the cowboy hats, it is not uncommon to see. But if you want to see cowboy hats and boots, Fort Worth does it really well. They own it. It is part of their culture, and they really lean in. So we're coming out with a brand new brand pretty soon. And that brand, kind of a spoiler alert right now, this could change, but we're using the unofficial tagline of just a little bit of swagger. Dallas has just a little bit of swagger. So if you say you're leaning into that cowboy part, we're leaning into the cowboy confidence that really does exist here. This is a city that's on the move. They don't take no for an answer. They are so welcoming and they insist that everyone that they come into contact with is successful. That has been the biggest shock for me as somebody that's not from Texas or from Dallas is how incredibly welcoming the people are here. So we really lean into that cowboy mentality, but not the frivolous or the reckless cowboy. This is this 
sort of smart, confident, let's get it done kind of thing. And that's who we are. Isn't it so much fun learning about a new place? It really is. I mean, you were in Pittsburgh for a long time, and then you arrive in Dallas, and it's all new. It is. And I was astounded because I came here right before the pandemic. And, you know, I came down with my wife. And you think to yourself, oh, gosh, this is going to be hard. We have to restart again. But what we realized is a lot of people that live in Dallas are not from Dallas. So they do readily take new friends into their orbit every day. So we have dozens of friends that we have met here in Dallas. We came down without knowing a soul. And if we wanted to, we could be busy every night of the week. That's so sweet. I feel blessed. I use that word a lot. I feel blessed to be a part of Dallas. And I think it's a lesson, Craig, also for other people that are listening to this podcast that are thinking about taking positions in other destinations. It is great to stay in the same place for a long time, but there are other opportunities around the United States, big country, a lot of opportunity out there. And especially for our younger listeners who are thinking about how they might boost their careers, sometimes you got to move in other places to change the scenery and change your life. Right. And it's a balancing act. I started my career in Toronto and I was in the hotel business. I changed hotels within the same company, but immediately wanted to go to the United States. They were wonderful enough to let me go and immigrate to Chicago. And then I went to Pittsburgh. I didn't think I'd be in Pittsburgh more than a year. I was there for 30. So you never know where life is going to take you. No, you don't. I just turned 58. So if you think uh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, you can. You know, I came down here. Every community has its own flavor. This particular one has been so incredibly welcoming and dynamic that I've never been happier in my life. Well, I love the way people say hello on the street here. Yeah, they do. This is a genuine group of very welcoming people. Well, I'd like to genuinely thank you for being the host this year for Destinations International. <laughs> thank you, Mark. It's our pleasure, and we would do it again in a heartbeat. And it's a pleasure having you on the podcast. As well. And that's it for Brand USA Talks Travel, live from Dallas, Texas at Destinations International. I'm Mark Lapidus. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode from the Destinations International Convention in Dallas, Texas, please share it with your friends in the travel industry. Safe travels.